Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast. It's a bye week, but don't tell LSU that as recruiting continues to heat up. Sonny Shimp is alongside me. My name is Bryce Coon. Thanks so much for tuning in, whether it's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're watching or listening. We appreciate your support. Sonny, it's a bye week, but, man, LSU over the past Stay we say 10 to 12 days has just been on fire. We mentioned it kind of started last week uh, with that C.J. Jackson, but, man, over the past seven or eight days, this staff has really, really gotten down to business and done a lot of work that I think we could say that maybe a lot of people didn't know was coming. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of those names today. So let's start off with one of the first ones. We mentioned C.J. Jackson, that edge. We talked about that one in the last podcast. But P.J. Woodland and Bernard Causey, two commits that were one, and P.J. Woodland to Mississippi State, and then Bernard Causey to Ole Miss. It helps out this secondary, and I think that uh, you know the LSU staff is just trying to continue to build depth as they grow this room. Yeah, and you had to replace uh, you had to replace Andre Evans, who flipped to Georgia last week. And like you mentioned, man, the last twelve days, two D commitments, four commitments, and uh, yeah, oh, and it's not over yet. <laughs> you know, these last two months. These last two months to go uh, down the stretch until the early signing period, it's always eventful, and it's certainly been eventful uh, here lately. But you know, you um, you had to shore up the cornerback position. PJ mm-hmm. Woodland, Bernard Causey, while they uh, while neither one of them has that sexy appeal that Andre Evans carried as the number ten cornerback in the country, um, you know, both of them are good gets. Both of them, I really like the PJ Woodland. This is no knock on Bernard Colsey, but I really like P.J. Woodland in the fact that he gives you some versatility. Now, he reminds me a lot of Jay Ward. They had around the same measurables when Jay Ward came out. And I see him being able to play corner, being able to play safety, being able to play nickel. Basically, wherever you need him, he's versatile enough and he's athletic enough to where you can plug him in in the secondary. And in this day and age where the transfer portal, between the transfer portal injuries, uh, kids just acting stupid and getting suspended. You know, you, you run into opportunity, you run into situations to where you find yourself like LSU is right now. Basically, okay, who can we move to cornerback? Hey, Javon Taviano, that's a, you know, that's a guy who's now yeah. who's getting some reps at cornerback. And so when you have a guy like that who you can play anywhere in the secondary, I just think it's huge. I think it's yeah. huge. It's an added benefit. And I really like that. You know, Bernard calls the LSU fans have been saying, you know, where is that lockdown corner? Where's that corner we can put out on the island who has the, you know, who, who has the attitude, who is, you know, who, you know, you say cocky, but in a good way, you know, mm-hmm. who's confident enough to get out there and, and just mix it up and, and who's going to be in your face. And that's Bernard Causey. And, yeah. um, you know, his, uh, I think he's an 86 rating. I'm anxious to see how the senior film comes out and whether or not he gets a, uh, he gets a little bump. But I think you have to like that aggressiveness and that mindset that he brings to the position. And, uh, you know, then you just then you move on from there. You know, you've got uh, last night on Thursday night, you know, the the late night uh, flip of uh, Weston Davis from Texas A&M. And look, LSU fans and Texas A&M fans, they hate each other, man. Anytime (laughs) they can stick it in each other's side, you know, they're all about that. So the simple fact that it was an A&M flip. Only sweetened the pot for LSU fans. But, uh, you know, you get an athletic offensive tackle that really just solidifies now what I, I think solidifies if you hold on to all these five of these pieces 
a very, very, very nice offensive line group for Brad Davis. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. Brad Davis, I know you mentioned, and folks can check this out over at Go 24-7. You dropped a big piece here on Friday morning uh, right before we recorded this podcast just about you know all the work that's been going in. And, Sonny, if I'm correct, this feels like something that's kind of behind the scenes. I mean, this was something that not a lot of people knew. The conversations were still happening, but maybe how in-depth they were between Davis and Davis in this sense. I mean, just kind of talk about that. What, what does this mean, you think, for – I mean, you start to kind of look at what Brad Davis has pulled in over the past couple of years. You go back two years ago in the recruiting class with your you know, your two tackles that you have starting now. Uh, then you obviously have Zalance Hurd last year. And now it's just something where, you know, LSU is starting to build, and with Brad Davis, quite the uh, rapport, it feels like, with some of the top offensive linemen. Yeah, and that's been a, and that's been a, a sore subject amongst the, uh, the LSU community. Uh, you know, prior to Brian Kelly getting here and, and really prior to, uh, you know, you, you, Will Campbell, Emory Jones in that class has been the offensive line. And, uh, you know, now you see them really kind of stockpiling on it a little bit. Uh, you know, Weston committed in June or July, I'm sorry, uh, visited LSU in June committed in July and I kind of caught people off guard. Steve Wiltfong had a crystal ball in on LSU. I thought it was going to be LSU. Mm. And then all of a sudden, just, I believe it was a Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, go pops to A&M and like, Whoa, what just happened here? You know, that wasn't something we were expecting, but Brad Davis never backed off. You know, he never backed off. You're talking about a guy who is, uh, who's in Beaumont. So when you start talking about college station, relative to, you know, College Station to Beaumont, relative to Baton Rouge to Beaumont, you're not looking at much difference at all. You know, Beaumont, yeah. you know, you're you're right there basically on the Louisiana border. So a lot of, uh, you know, LSU's had some success in, in, in those areas in the past. And so uh, to be able to go and to get that East Texas guy like that at a position of need, um, you know, you could arguably say LSU really didn't have to have another offensive lineman in this class. I'm a huge proponent of, look, you, you need five in each class, you know, yeah. and obviously that's tough to do, but um, you know, to be able to complete that flip, of something like you mentioned behind the scenes, not a lot of talk going on about it. We'd mentioned it. Yeah. They were still in contact and stuff. And then I think it was Tuesday night when, uh, when a source, a source said, Hey man, things are really heating up at Weston Davis, you know, keep mm. it on the download. But, and then all of a sudden, uh, bam. <laughs> yeah. So Pops off big pickup, big pickup. <laughs> was- yeah. It was kind of crazy. I was at the women's basketball scrimmage last night, and you could see the media there. Everyone, their their phone ding up I, right around the time that you had guys had shot the text off to me about hey, this flip's coming. So, uh, man, that's huge. That obviously a big one. Like you said, I, I'm a big proponent of. You know, there's in, in every sport, there's certain stuff. You know, I'm a baseball guy, so I'm one of those things. You can never have enough arms. I think in football, you can never have enough offensive linemen, you know, guys that can be able to be interchangeable pieces. And you get a guy like you didn't need it, but a guy like Weston Davis, who has that kind of, you know, high potential, is not a bad one to say. It's just kind of a cherry on top. Davis is definitely not a, a, a bad get there. But, Sonny, one of the big things, man, is it doesn't really stop here. You mentioned, I mean, we're, we're closing in on signing day. It's going to be a race here as you know, a lot of teams, 
you know, that LSU is going to be in battle with are, are going to have some questions, I think, going in. You know, how does Texas A&M finish out the rest of their season? Are there staff changes? Not necessarily Jimbo, but staff changes in general that could determine some of these battles. Your thoughts, though, uh, on a couple more guys. I mean, look, I know you, in that piece you said you feel like you're beating a dead horse here. We're talking about the battles between the Aggies and the Tigers here. But there's a couple other names I know you're looking at that say, hey, look, you know, LSU's still in that mix and a guy that recently decommitted also to Draylon Miller. Yeah, Miller goes to uh, Miller goes to Colorado this weekend, and then he has LSU the weekend after that, followed by Colorado. So he'll be in town for the Florida game, and um, you know that'll be a second game. That'll be a second game, uh, his second game this season. And then he also came in June and spent a weekend in Baton Rouge on an unofficial visit uh, when they had a bunch of official visitors in town. So he's certainly gotten the treatment, certainly seen everything, but getting him in for that Florida game, especially sandwiched in the Colorado and the USC visits, I think will be big. And, uh, you know, everything continues to point uh, to point LSU's way with him. And um, I think that they're really – I just think that they're in a good situation with him. I also think that they're uh, relatively in a good situation with Terry Bussey, and I say relatively just because he's still committed to Texas A&M. You know, there's been some rumblings that that he was going to drop that pledge for, I guess, going on about a week now, you know, a week, 10 days. It's yeah. kind of like people are on the clock waiting, you know, when does it happen, when does it happen. Um, kind of makes you feel, you know, like, you know, you, you depends on depends on who you uh, who you believe and who you listen to. You know, Texas A&M has just made, you know, has, has sweetened the pot, I guess, so to speak, as far as the <laughs> NIL opportunities, you know, the message board talk and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think that that's definitely going to be one to really monitor down the stretch. And I, I think a big I'd mentioned this with uh, Gabe Relifer, but I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. OK, November 11th, LSU and Texas yeah. A&M have not really had to compete for prospects, yeah. is it? November 11th is going to present that opportunity but is because Texas A&M is going to host Mississippi State and then LSU is going to host Florida. And yeah. so those commits who are on the fence, if they're still committed to Texas A&M, where do they show up that weekend? You know, Terry Bussey's one, Gabe Relaford's one, Ty Anthony Smith, the linebacker who's really good friends with Miller and Davis. Um, you know, so, so there's – there's certainly no shortage of storylines between LSU, Texas A&M, and look, you you know A&M had uh, you know A&M beat LSU for uh, for the five star Dominic McKinley. So A&M is you know A&M you know when you go and you look, you had they got McKinley, they got Miller, they got Bussy. It's like they were just laying it to LSU. All of a sudden now, it kind of looks like the flip the script is flipped. Yeah, it's been something, obviously, something to keep an eye on. You mentioned as well, you know, with Texas A&M try to strengthen their position and try to go after uh, Jelani Watkins if, you know, Draylon Miller does indeed make that decision to go to LSU. Wanted to get this from you here, too, though, because there's a kind of – I don't, I don't want to say tier two necessarily behind Gabriel Relaford, but there are some guys, JUCO guys, got a chance to talk with Jaden Hamlin, you know, guys like Sean Washington, all these different guys that – where do you feel like LSU sits in that? Is Gabriel Relaford kind of that option A, and then there's option you know B one B one or B one B two B three? What what is kind of the look? Do, do they really need to add someone upon on that front seven? Well, I think you could you know I think you could really make a strong case that you know they could use two interior you know two more guys, mm -hmm. um, and, and so given that sense, I could see Brian Kelly. Uh, you know, let's say they do get Gabe Relaford. I could see them faced with a situation of, okay, 
how do we how do we feel about our depth inside right do we need to go out and do we need to go find a defensive tackle out of the transfer portal or do we feel good do we feel like we're in a spot to where we can go out and get a guy like Deshaun Washington a Jaden Hamlin some you know guys who are a little bit older um you know a little uh, maybe a you know a little older a little bigger a little mm-hmm. stronger to where they can come in and maybe not need as much time and as much development in the weight room I think that's going to be something that, you know, that they're just going to have to look at and they're going to have to kind of evaluate once they get a better picture of, you know, where a guy like Gabe Relliford stands. Uh, you know, you also got Missouri commit uh, Jalen Brown. He was a guy who yeah. was in town for the Auburn game, you know, so he's someone still in play. Elias Williams, uh, another Missouri commit out of Florida, you know, he's someone else that, you know, that they're still talking to as well. So, and then on top of all that, you have, oh, okay, so you don't really, you know, how's the defensive line coach really factoring into these decisions, yeah. you know, given Jimmy Lindsay's situation, is this all Brian Kelly, uh, you know, without a lot of input from uh, from the D-line coach. So there's a, there's a lot of dynamics in play, and, you know, there's certainly been a lot of dynamics in play with defensive line recruiting since, you know, Lin- since Jimmy Lindsay went down in late July. Yeah, obviously in that article, you need to check out if you haven't already and get your Go 24-7 subscription. You know, coaches are on the road. Uh, you know, Robert Steeples heading down to see Kai Bates. But one thing we were able to talk about last night and into today and wanted to get your thoughts here as we round out this podcast was kind of the quarterback situation. Man, that 2025 class, I mean, it's kind of 1A, you know, 1B with with guys like Underwood and George McIntyre, Joe Sloan uh, in Nashville last night to see George McIntyre, going to be able to make the trip up to see Bryce Underwood. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the continued recruitment of these guys. Um, I, and, and ask you this too, I, we all know that Bryce Underwood has that kind of j- uh, January decision date that he's kind of looking at. Does George McIntyre have one and – you know, how quickly, if LSU were to lose out on Underwood, you know, is it pull all the resources and, and go for McIntyre? What, what, what does this kind of look like to you? Well, I think, you know, if if Underwood would go to Michigan, I think you would just have to put, you know, you would assume that, that LSU would go just go all in more than they already are for George McIntyre. Yeah. Because, you know, Joe Sloan has, you know, he's made both of them a priority. You know, like you said, he saw uh, McIntyre Thursday night going to see Underwood Friday night. Uh, Mike Denbrock went and saw LSU commit Colin Hurley on Thursday. And so, um, you know, they're, they're making their rounds on all the quarterbacks. But after Underwood and McIntyre, there's really only one more uh, 2025 quarterback that they've offered. Um, and uh, he's a kid out of uh, out of the Midwest who's committed to Ohio State. And so, you know, Sloan has made it, you know, he hasn't even gone out and tossed out any offers just to kind of get guys interested, basically saying, you know, telling these two, look, you're my guys, you know, you're mm-hmm. the guys, you're the focus, you're the priorities. And so, um, you know, whether um, what happens with McIntyre, you know, I know he's visiting UCLA this weekend. I'm not sure about yeah. Underwood as far as um, hitting the road or not, but, you know, like I mentioned in the piece, Underwood, I kind of, and I mentioned this on the podcast before, I've always felt with Underwood that just proximity to, to Ann Arbor, man, you know, 25 miles away or 20 miles away, whatever it is, it's just so close, man. That's just going to be so hard to overcome, you know. Now with all this talk about all the sign stealing um, allegations yeah. and all this fiasco yeah. with Harbaugh, you know, I mean, Jim Harbaugh's certainly never been short short of drama in his time at Michigan, <laughs> but man, it just seems like the NCAA now, I mean, there it's just, and not to say that it's not warranted, 
Because, I mean, yeah. you know, that that's pretty, that's pretty, I mean, one, cheating, I mean, hey, you know, all of them do it. But if you're going to be that stupid about it, you deserve to get caught, man. Yeah, you it's to get interesting. Caught. And if you, if you, if you're that, stu- you know, if anyone's that stupid to think that, oh, Harbaugh didn't have any, <laughs> any notion this was going on, <laughs> let's, let's have another podcast and let's talk about that. Exactly. But, exactly. Yeah. You know, how does all that impact un- Underwood and his camp, you know, because they're very thorough, they're very detail oriented. Yeah. And I can promise you that when they've looked at, you know, that, that in their conversations, they look at it and they say, okay, well, how long do we think, you know, how long do we think this is going to be, this is going to be, this is going to be, you know, that they're having conversation. Okay. Well, what if Harbaugh would leave? What if the NFL comes calling? What if this turns into a, into an NCAA infractions case or, or whatever, you know? And so I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, how that plays out and whether or not those storylines, those negative storylines just keep popping up over the Michigan program, you know, with McIntyre, most people seem to think that Alabama is the team to beat. I just, it would surprise me if McIntyre chose Bama just because, you know, you've got Julian Sayan coming in. Yeah. You've got Jalen Milrow, who is, what is Milrow? Milrow is a sophomore this year, right? Uh, he might be that? a junior by academically, but, but sophomore playing wise. Yeah, Eligibility wise. Eligibility wise. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, you, you if you've got an if you've got a quarterback with some experience, whether or not you think Milrow's good or not, you know, I mean, he's still a he would still be a returning starting quarterback. You got Julian saying, and now you know you're following that up with a guy like McIntyre. It would just surprise me a little bit, just given all the quarterbacks that Bama has signed in the past, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of I always circle back to Tennessee and Josh Heupel, and uh, you know how bad. Not how bad they, uh, you know, they need a quarterback because they've got uh, Nico and man. You want to try to pronounce his last name? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'll reserve. I am Aliva. <laughs> I know that that's how it though. spells. Yeah, that, that kid's got some good potential spells. though. But he's got a lot of potential, but he hasn't been able to break through this year. Yeah. And Tennessee certainly is not a very stable situation as far as quarterback goes. If you've watched Joe Milton in one game, you know, yeah. and so. You know, does is does that look like a better situation than what he could walk into at Alabama? Now, when you look at LSU, you got Ricky Collins, you got Colin Hurley. You don't have a, you don't have that that those those stars by their name that just you know that grab your attention. I guess so to speak. Yeah. You know that yeah. five star. People see a five star, their eyes just gravitate towards it. And, and and so, does that look like a less congested path to the field? Maybe it does, but you know, I don't really, I don't really know that that's going to be as big of a factor, you know, as it could be. So I'm, I'm really kind of torn on McIntyre as far as you know, as as far as where where Alabama stands and if they are in, in you know, truly in fact that big leader like they are right now. And for me, Tennessee, I just keep circling back to Tennessee. You know, I keep circling yeah. back to Tennessee and and how attractive that has to look. You know, thinking about what Hendon Hooker was able to do in an offense like that. Granted, two different types of quarterbacks, but um, you know, so so I, I'm I'm really anxious to see how Joe Sloan, how this you know how this comes out of uh, you know Joe Sloan and the limited contact that he can have with McIntyre on this trip, and just see if anything new comes out of it as far as a timeline. Because right now he hasn't really mentioned a timeline at all. 
Yeah, and it feels like, you know, if Underwood is that first domino to fall, you're going to see a lot of programs really start to set their sights on a guy like McIntyre. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe he said, hey, let's let Underwood decide where he's going. And then now, you know, we become the hot commodity on the market. It's it's, it's free agency, Sonny. I mean, that's what this thing is. And then you just hope, yeah. (laughs) And you hope McIntyre doesn't say, you know what, I I think I want to make that December decision. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Mardi Gras is better. Mardi Gras decision sounds better. (laughs) That sounds better for LSU fans. You mentioned Tennessee, a kid that I've got to see a lot of, Jake Merkling, grad of Savannah, Georgia. He's another one that's committed in that 2024 class for them, so he's going to be on campus. So, look, it's it's you look at it two different ways. Some guys say, I want the path of least resistance, and others say, hey, I welcome the competition. Let's go play. And, you know, I'm sure that Joe Sloan's getting a feel for it, but like you said, you don't want a negative recruit against your own roster, but, Sonny, you have to figure, as we round it out right here, you got to figure that Sloan and them are talking about this, saying, hey, look, you know, you go here, this is what's happening. That's what their roster looks like. You go here, this is what that roster looks like. Rosters can look very different in the span of what they're talking about. But, man, you know, I, I keep telling people this, you know, with a guy like Nussmeyer, he is a bona fide candidate to be a one-and-done guy next year. I mean, he he could he could have that path, uh, you know, and I, I kind of think he will. So it could be where 2025, hey, man, you could come in and start, you know, as a true freshman if you, if you come and you – you know, have that opportunity. So it's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on uh, as recruiting heats up. But man, it's it's been a quite a quite a whirlwind of a week, and we're going to have a lot of fun covering this up until that December twentieth signing day. For Sunny Ship, my name is Bryce Coon. Thanks so much for tuning into this LSU Go Twenty Four Seven Recruiting Podcast. Make sure to give us a like, subscribe to the channel, and set up those notifications for you when you want to know when we release the latest content. We'll catch you next time here on the Go Twenty Four Seven.